Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program traditionally based in Timor-Leste and it has a singular vision to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. Due to the current restrictions from COVID-19, we are running slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast with the same vision and same aim. We're using these opportunities to sit down with our participants either one-on-one or in a group setting and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learnt, providing insights we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. So whether you're out and about, listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another TA18 podcast. Uh, we are at the tail end of the program and are continuing our interviews at St. George's Holiday House here. And next cab off the rank I have with me is Kelly Ann Harding. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. So Kelly uh, enlisted in 2000 into the Royal Australian um, Engineers. She served in Afghanistan, Banda Aceh, Solomon Islands, and is currently at Wonko. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Wonko at Kanunga. That's right. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I gave everybody a, a very quick overview of your background. Um, just, just so the people listening know who they're talking to and who they're listening to. Um, yeah, just want to give us a bit of an overview of what your career entailed and what were some of the highlights. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in 1997, I joined the Army Reserves as a medical assistant uh, in Mackay. Yep. Uh, from there, at the same time, I was employed as a Jillaroo in Outback Australia at Kunnamulla. Uh So I worked <laughs> on 750,000 acres of uh, mulga country, working with cattle, sheep and goats. So I managed to acquire many skills. Wow, okay. Uh, master of none, of course. <laughs> And as a young child, I participated in Army Cadets for five years, which is what attracted me to the Defence Force. You and me both. Were you a cadet under officer? Yes, I was. I knew it. I can can (laughs) pick a CEO when I see one. (laughs) I got to the dizzy heights of sergeant. That that was my ceiling rank in cadets and in the Real Army. (laughs) Which unit were you in? 129 RCU. It was based out of uh, Gallipoli Barracks in Ogre. Awesome. I was 122 RCU from Mackay. There you go. Well, Michael... Stone was also in 129 and so was his brother Paul, who I was in the cadets at the same time. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, awesome. There you go, represent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So from there, uh, I think it was a natural transition that eventually I would join the Defence Force Mm full-time. So I transferred over from the Army Reserves over to the full-time Army as a cargo specialist initially for eight years. And during that time, I deployed to... Uh, Solomon Islands first, which was great. We just helped uh, restore, restore peace and order. Uh, Ramsey? Yes. Uh, 06? Uh, yes, around about that cool. time. Yep, yep. Not very good with my dates, so right. I don't apologise. Probably chewed some of the same dust. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just worked on the APOD there, loading and unloading uh, stores for yep. the deployment and also at the uh, C-Pod, unloading uh, 100 and something vehicles on the initial yep. um, deployment. Initial deployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, I deployed over to Banda Aceh, uh, Boxing Day Tsunami. 
Oh, okay. If that was after you were probably Solomon Islands two thousand and three, then the first the first time. Okay. And then by Band Arche was oh four. A man that's good with his I, dates. I'm uh, <laughs> very I'm very good at few things. <laughs> very few things, but but dates is one of them. Okay, so you're a Boxing Day tsunami. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'd probably say that this was the hardest deployment that I've been on. Right. Uh, when I came back, I thought I was fine, uh, but my dad will tell you that I was very quiet and removed from society, quite withdrawn, uh, not my normal cheeky, smart, alec self, I would say. <laughs> so uh, it took me quite. Uh, I would probably say it took me three to six months to sort of come out of whatever I was in at the time. I didn't really see anyone. And I think back then everyone probably just came back and said, yep, I'm fine, good to go, where are we going next? Because mm-hmm. um, I guess you train and want to deploy and do the job that you train for. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it was quite an eye-opening deployment. Again, I worked on the airstrip. Um, we unloaded humanitarian aid from all around the world. There were helicopters and planes landing every two to three minutes. Uh, during that time, I saw a helicopter crash 50 metres from our accommodation. We had a black hawk come down, spiralling down and uh, spud in. Um, which, which country was that from? Uh, America. America's kind of America, yeah. black hawk, yeah. Yep. Um, a lot of exposure to uh, mass graves and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, death, unfortunately, and um, what people don't realise is that uh, it wasn't just the tsunami that caused the damage, it was uh, the uh, earthquake that caused a lot of the damage as well. Mm. Uh, but the thing that astounded me from that deployment was that the people were absolutely amazing and their mm. resilience was outstanding. Like um, People had two metres of mud in their homes and they just get on with it, which is pretty cool, right? Um, I often used to think about... If something like that happened in our country, how we would pull up. Um, but their resilience was something that um, I was utterly amazed by, uh, which was pretty cool. And I think we're pretty lucky. Um, most of the deployments I've been to, uh, they have little to nothing. And we are so fortunate to have what we have mm. in our country, which is great. Bandarte must have been a – I mean, I wasn't um – I just joined the army at that, that stage, literally by a couple of months. So I certainly didn't deploy there, but uh, I can't even imagine what that must have looked like in on the ground. I mean, you know, literally oil tankers washed uh, a kilometre or two ashore. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. Yeah, it's true. Um, it was pretty confronting the first couple of weeks that we were there. I remember the first day that we turned up, um, there were garbage trucks lined on both sides of the road, hundreds of them, and they were filled to, uh, to the brim with bodies. bodies. Yep. Um, uh, something a little bit unique that we saw was a barge uh, that was 80 metres long that had come two kilometres inland and the wave that did the damage was above 16 metres high, so quite a large wave. Um, One of the gentlemen, uh, ironically, uh, a sad incident that I saw uh, the first day that I turned up to the school prior to transitioning out to the airport um, was cleaning out a drain and uh, it turned around because he was vomiting and I wasn't sure why, but he had pulled a person's head out of the drain, mm. which was pretty intense. And um, ironically, that gentleman is on this course right now. Wow. Yeah, so it's crazy the people that you meet in um, yeah. in, in the army 
community, I suppose. Yeah, so. Like veteran space as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Incredible. And then uh, obviously there was more contemporary operations since then in Afghanistan. Yeah. I, Afghanistan was probably my most favourite uh, deployment. Mm-hmm. I deployed with TF-66 and I worked cool. uh, in exploitation. So I was based at Camp Brown for six and a half months. Uh, I didn't go home during that time. And my primary purpose was to process fingerprints yep. uh, of improvised explosive devices and anything that was basically um, removed uh, from site sort of thing. Yep. Yep. Uh, so site exploitation. Yep. And the second part of that was like chemical analysis on narcotics and drugs, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I got to work with an amazing team, which included numerous interpreters, mm-hmm. um, Medex, Salex, DocX type experts, yeah. and I thoroughly enjoyed that. And then for a long time, I considered actually potentially becoming a specialist in one of those fields because yep. I really, really loved it. It was quite unique. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, uh, I, I worked in Intel in Afghanistan, and we had that as a function, but it wasn't wasn't I wasn't a specialist in that sort of thing, like the the Salex and things like that. But um, yeah, that was a. Uh, that was a huge task, wasn't it, really? Because there was so many seapers coming through and different people. And yeah, it was, was a, 100%. Yeah. It was a massive job. Yep. And so what was it about Afghanistan that was your favourite trip, do you think? Uh, really, I think I just enjoyed the people that I was working with. Yep. Uh, the unique role that we were participating in. Yep. And I don't know, I just I, I really enjoyed it over there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, definitely an eye opener. What what years were you there? Uh, 2011, 2012, over the Christmas period. Yep, I was there. 2011 as well. Well, we've chewed some of the same dust yeah, in Afghanistan. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, fast forwarding from that, how much um, uh, more deployments were there after that? Was that the last? The, last uh, the only well, I've I've done some short stints: uh, Thursday Island, Papua New Guinea, and yep, yep. Uh, also I had had the opportunity to go to America and also India. Yep. Um, India was quite fascinating and different at the same time. Um, there's definitely some major differences in the classes between the poor and the rich. Yeah. And uh, it's quite unique for them to see a female combat engineer. And it's worthwhile noting that after eight years of being a cargo specialist, I transferred over to be a combat engineer. Yep. Um, I wanted to transfer uh, to something where I wouldn't go back too much and something that sort of represented the same sort of skill sets, which ended up being a combat engineer. Mm -hmm. At the time, I probably didn't realise that I would be one of very, very few females. Um, Later on in my career, I found myself being employed at a combat engineer regiment for the first time that they had ever had a female troop sergeant. Cool. Um, which was, yeah, it was pretty cool, but also confronting at the same time. Um, I think the culture at the time, the I would say the male uh, soldiers weren't, 100% accepting of, not all of them, by the way, I would say a small percentage of females being in the core, not because they didn't think you couldn't do the job or anything like that, but mm. just because for a long time it had just been male-dominated. And I understand that. Yeah. Um, and I think a good lesson to learn is sometimes you just need to let you d- your work do the talking. That's right, talking. your reputation procedure. Yep. Um, not try and 
reinforce why you're there. Yeah. Um, and I feel that's probably a good tool to move forward sort of thing. Yeah, fantastic. And so what um, what brings you to a program like Team Awakening? Uh, so initially I was asked to vo- asked if I would volunteer to come on the course, which I said yes. And then I would say at some point um, I was a little bit anxious about attending the course. Normal. <laughs> yes, and I probably had a really uh, a realisation moment that I probably needed to attend the course myself for my own well-being. Yep. And I can definitely say that I think this course um, enables people to uh, look internally mm-hmm and really have assess what's going on within themselves and provides them the tools and the and an additional community that they can lean on but um some insight that they're not you know there are people that have shared problems and that they can work together as a team to move forward and that um, there is life after the defense force and that there is purpose, there is meaning to everything that they do and they just yeah. need to have the ability and the willpower and the um, open open mind to uh, move forward and 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 have a crack, I suppose. So. And I think you're doing it at the perfect time because, you know, what usually happens is people get out and then they go into the wilderness for a while and then they have to figure out what's next and then sort of get themselves potentially into a bit of a hole and go, oh, now I need to go fix myself, whereas... Um, well, not fix myself, but get help, I guess. And um, whereas someone like yourself, I'm assuming you're going to get at some point. You don't have to tell me when. <laughs> um, but you will get out of the army at some point. Um, so I think getting these tools in early is a really, really great place to be. I agree. I think uh, Michael and Gary, their own journey has created somewhat a masterpiece for others to explore their hurt and their pain and... Um, have the opportunity to grow mm. and I think that's really important. Yep. Um, uh, I would recommend this course to anyone, not just anyone in the military, mm-hmm. but I feel that even within community this course has great purpose and yep. would help a lot of people. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And what, uh, just before we consider wrapping up soon, what's been your own personal biggest takeaway from, from the course? Myself, I feel I enjoyed the circle time probably the most. And what I found incredibly amazing is that within a very short period of time, how honesty and um, the ability for people to open up to each other really helps uh, people heal Mm. uh, just through hearing other people's stories, through strangers supporting them and hearing them. And probably having a moment of realisation that they are not alone and that they can walk out of this together. Um, I'm sure at the end of this course there will be some that may uh, dip down, uh, but I feel that after a short period of time they'll pick back up rather quickly. Yep, yep. Yep. Fantastic. Well, look, uh, thanks so much for for coming on the program. I think, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think when we're in... In defence, especially when we're still serving, where you know we, we fulfil a lot of roles, don't we? Like we say, this is who I need to be. Especially, let's say you're sergeant, warrant officer. What's your kind of uh, warrant officer? Warrant officer, yeah. So you're in leadership position. Uh, you, there's only certain things you're allowed to show to other people. So there's and you know, 
doesn't matter what rank you are, but I think the more higher up you go the chain, the more you're having to wear masks. And I think coming here is an opportunity to put that aside for just a moment. Sure, you'll be back in uniform soon and you've got to go do what you need to do, but there's an opportunity to go, hang on, here's where I'm at and here's some of the things that are working, here's some of the things that not, and that is okay and this is a place to try and unpack that a bit. I agree. Um, I also think that within the Defence Force that potentially the culture needs to shift because I think we'll get more out of our people and maybe... Mm leadership needs to sit in a more mindful place and this course I feel definitely has a place within uh, the defence force and current serving members would benefit from this course quite a lot and Mm. if there's ever the opportunity for this course to be embedded uh, before people conduct any military training I feel that Mm. uh, this course would be extremely beneficial in preventing acute mental health and also veteran suicide, which is probably one of the key takeaways. The biggest biggest thing that we're facing right now. Isn't yes, it, right very now? true. Kelly, thank you so much for your time here. I think it's time for us to get back down to your, your favourite thing, circle time, which will be starting in the not-too-distant future. Um, anything else to add before we wrap up? Uh, one thing. Yeah. Um, thank you for your hard work too. I oh. think uh, getting the message out there is very important. And if we didn't have people like you... Um, we wouldn't know that this course is even occurring. So I think that's really important that people are heard and the message is getting out there. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Kelly. Lovely. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you do have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do, of course, encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who you feel may benefit from it. Thank you so much. And we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Bye for now.